Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, telling you to go above and Batman beyond. This is Adam Beechin. This is Yoko McCann from Funko. This is Zach from Diamond Select Toys. This is Bernard Chang. Dan Bergen. Hey everyone, it's Michael McQuistian. This is Lolita Ritmanis. This is Christopher Carter with Dynamic Music Partners. This is Travis from at Saturday Morning Batman on Instagram. This is Eli Benson, also known as Batman Beyond fan page, and I'm telling you to go above and Batman Beyond. 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 Welcome, Neo-Gothamites, to Above and Batman Beyond. I should say to a very impromptu Above and Batman Beyond. I am your co-host, Benjamin David. I am your co-host, Eli Benson. Hello, Eli. I should have handed it off to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. The opening was there. That's how long it has been. Yeah, it's been a Um, long time. (laughs) Plus, I've been uh, pre-recording the intros uh, the past few months. uh, That was all confusing. But anyway, I'm glad we're all here. Thank you for joining me, Eli, for our, uh, again, impromptu San Diego Comic-Con uh, yeah. 2022 episode. Yeah, it's uh, Comic-Con is uh, just kind of came and went, huh? <laughs> As you can tell by <laughs> the level of preparation and uh, excitement in our voices. This is pretty much our feeling of con this year, I'd say, wouldn't you say? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, wannabe radio announcer facade is, is long dead when, when it comes to this shit. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Just give me good material. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of good material, what we're going to do is start off with something that we like. All right. We have deliberately at least put about 10 bullet points here together and decided on a good way to do this of uh, starting off with stuff that we do like, stuff that is beyond related while you guys are here. Uh, with the Batman Beyond comics, specifically the Batman Beyond the White Knight reveals that we got from Comic-Con. Do a couple more Batman comics, excuse me. Then we're going to roll into Marvel briefly. I know this is not a Marvel show, but there was, especially for our wheelhouse, uh, some animation announcements. We do have a sad thing to announce, because that is an all-but-too-often thing recently of uh, geeky content creators and actors, unfortunately, leaving us. And then... Of course, we're going to talk about not only the DC animated movies, which is not uh, surprising, but we are going to talk live action, which we don't always do on this show. So we got a packed, be it unprepared (laughs) uh, or underprepared, I should say, episode for you. So, Eli, let's kick off San Diego Comic-Con 2022 recap kind of, let's call it a reaction. Let's not even glorify this with a recap. I guess we didn't really bury the lead. What were your feelings on comments here? Well, in terms of con, uh, it just sort of, uh, I was like, oh yeah, uh, San Diego Comic-Con is here. And, you know, it's one of these things where we had just received uh, a year of the Batman and No Way Home and uh, mm. <clears throat> Kenobi. So I said, you know, our our dopamine and, receptors are like really uh are are active right now so i could only imagine what they're gonna do to like give us something to 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 work with then i said i i can only imagine the announcements we're gonna get and (laughs) i must say uh 
this is probably the most underwhelmed I've been for a con in a very long time. Um, there's a lot of factors that kind of contribute into this. And, you know, I'll kind of touch upon this as we go. But just in short, I think that I'm just at this place with Marvel, which I know is kind of the meat and potato of these cons where, like, I'm just checked out of the MCU. So really, no matter what they announced, there's nothing that would have grabbed me. And then the DC projects that we have to discuss here, uh, it's either kind of out of my wheelhouse altogether or I'm just not interested. But again, we'll get into that as we go. Mm. Um, What I can say, though, is, you know, we, we just briefly discussed White Knight. White Knight has been just phenomenal and... I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, some of the announcements that just came out regarding that. So that's great. Damn right. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I gotta say it's, it's uh, I like to think of how I relate to you as something that is only fruitful o- only over time. The more I get to know Eli and the things that he likes and dislikes, uh, do I learn how, alike we are because (laughs) there will just be really specific stuff that annoys me about things that I never know how Eli thinks about. And then our conversations will come up about this or that. And con is this year, especially, I mean, mean, we're not the only two people who have this sentiment. Um, It's like just copy and paste. I don't understand what I'll add to it is this, is that like, number one, I guess to, to stick with what you said for a second, I don't remember literally. I don't think ever in my fan. I think what you said was you you can't remember the last con that was kind of this meant for you. I don't remember. And granted, this goes back to like 2016 when I started really getting into my first comic con that I actually went to. So let's rewind that a couple more years. 2014, I guess, when I really started following cons. 2015. Yeah. I mean, you're talking almost 10 years and like. I, this it's just a dud this one you know and uh for what we talk about like you said dc it's like the dc live action stuff i what i don't understand is like you couldn't give us any aquaman and the lost kingdom footage for example i don't want to get too deep into specifics but it's like you have a lot of other projects beside the main two things that we got for DC Comics, it's like you got a lot going on, and yeah, we're about to talk about some Beyond stuff. It's pretty cool, and and that's great. But like beside that, not much going on comic wise. Not much going on. I don't know if that's because again we just got the Batman, like you mentioned. I there's also this to consider. You know, DC fandom might be a thing where it's just like you know what we're not worried about uh, San Diego and. I guess that's the what I'll kind of wrap up in my little intro here of my reaction is just it feels like both sides of the street, be it Marvel and DC, are like, well, you know, Marvel's like, well, we got D23 and that terribly named investor call day. And then DC's like, well, we got fandom, so let's not worry about the biggest and most mothership of all cons that is San Diego. Yes. And I got to yeah. say, it's like DC literally, I, I'm – don't quote me, but at one point they did not even have a booth for 22. I could believe that once upon a time. Yeah. 
Like, what are you talking about? Why? Why the hell? How does DC Comics not have a booth at San Diego Comic Con? Uh, and I'll say that the news reflected that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh... well. Let's also note too, I guess, before we get into specifics, neither of us attended the con. So, yes, there's that. That's that's really important, and we discussed that too because I was saying how uh, you know it just reminds me of when con season would come around and you were prepping to <laughs> go and do all that live coverage, and now yeah, you know, it's just it wouldn't even have been worth it. Yeah, well, so that's funny you say that for a couple of reasons. One is because I keep thinking about that now that, you know, cons are back in full swing. What's big about 22 is that, you know, it's the first con back after three years. This is the first time in San Diego specifically, but, and New York did do something last year, but it was not nearly what a bigger turnout than expected, but not New York Comic Con. This was the first big one back. Uh, and on that note, it's kind of like, it got me thinking about (laughs) my days of just the amount of hustle, the amount of hype for New York, Mm -hmm. how big that was, how much of a part of my life that was for four years straight. Like it was like college or something. And every year I got to say, like, there was stuff that blew me away, whether it's DC animation, DC Films, live action stuff, costumes that they'd have of the, you know, it's like the Aquaman, Black Man of Suits there one year. The Even that Harley Quinn movie, I didn't like that much. It was still cool seeing some of the costuming, you know, live there at the booth. There was just a ton of the shit Flet- going on. The Fletcher on. figures. Yeah, the figures. And, and again, this is the comparison of me being on the ground, but I, I just, it really just drove home what I've also been feeling of <laughs> like, Eh, maybe I'm burnt out, but been there, done that. And another thing is, a lot of these projects, <laughs> both from Marvel and DC and the comics, and, you know, Mar- Marvel releases their big panel of uh, the phase, and everything builds up, and everything is an event, and I get that's the MCU thing, and I can't knock it for that, but, like, you know, DC cranks out these event books and these crossovers, and, like, we all celebrated Batman last year and even No Way Home for being like these self-contained sort of uh, stories and like Batman was such a breath of fresh air. It wasn't this big universe connecting, breaking thing. And even though No Way Home was, it was still kind of this love letter to Spider-Man as a whole and as a mythology. And like now it's kind of back to the grind of world building and like none of which I care about anymore or, or am interested <laughs> in because I'm exhausted. Um, and, and the amount of Batman, I mean, dude, if you have Batman fans saying, wow, we're getting a lot of Batman projects, like, uh Oh, uh, that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so I guess I do have thoughts on what you just said. I, I would like to kind of vent yeah, and philosophize about com, but let's get into roll into some specifics here. Um, but what I, I guess one real quick thing I was saying it's the first con back after three years. I gotta say, for the first one back, they both sides should have done a lot more. That's all. I think you hit the nail on the head though, because they have their own cons. I think that's yeah. exactly what happened. I agree, and with my what's sad is that with Marvel, I can't even say more. It's just, I guess, more quality. I don't know. Maybe. 
Well, okay, well we now we're getting bogged out of details for their con. And like from a business perspective, I get that. But it's like, like you said, this is San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, dude, that is a good point. It's like, you know, I guess that's what I'm saying is that it was they revealed a lot volume wise, but it, like, I'm sorry, a title treatment is not a reveal that is a title treatment mm-hmm. it's just a logo of a movie and i know that's a big deal for you to see because yes it's the first piece of kind of let's call it proof of concept that we're getting a thing yeah but let us not Ugh. anyway again i'll just i'll i'll vent forever if if we, <laughs> if we keep getting back down to this but it just annoys me that there's a lot of like marvel over dc stuff when it's like i'm sorry a title treatment does not make your con better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> ah. yeah. All right, so let's do it. Batman Beyond the White Knight. What we got for San Diego Comic Con 2022. And this was just like exactly what I want from a con. I want to wake up, specifically when it's the West Coast. I've never been out to the West Coast cons. All I expect to do is just wake up, scroll through my phone, and go, oh, cool. Here's a thing that has been announced for a thing that I love, which is Batman Beyond the White Knight. It's comic related. It's literally a comic. It's for our podcast. And it's like, here's some previews that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have gotten this much of a reveal of a preview of whatever the thing is that they're kind of, let's call it sneak peeking for this event, which in this case was like six or eight images of, uh, or even more. I think it was six images just of the uh, white Knight presents red hood, which is, if you're not familiar, uh, spun out of the pages, a spinoff of, Batman Beyond the White Knight, which, of course, is introducing uh, Jason Todd Red Hood, and who we've gotten a lot, uh, we've already seen in the book, but now it's it's his own book. And what's happening with that book, which is pretty interesting, is that not only is it a spinoff, but it's actually taking um, Batman Beyond the White Knight proper is taking two months off, and during which time there's going to be a two-part miniseries of, again, White Knight Presents Red Hood, which is a spinoff of that, and then it's going to come back and resume um the issues of white knight now what was revealed at con was uh batman beyond the white knight pages from issue six and then again images from the red hood so yeah. uh yeah what'd you think man? dude sean gordon murphy has been such a hustler about his work and his consistency and just giving us the right amount of teasers on his Instagram and on his Twitter. Um, he has kept me so perfectly reeled in this entire way through. And naturally, we're Batman Beyond heads, right? But I just personally think, like, as a writer, as a creator, he is so amazing at uh, teasing just the right amount and showing, like, oh, yeah, you really want to see this? Look, Bruce is in that that, that prototype bat suit, you know, type thing. Um all the way through and so you know this this is just great and this is more of what i've wanted uh this has always been the thing that i've said the series has lacked which is kind of that behind the scenes connective tissue like obviously we were there for the animated series so moving into batman beyond we know like why certain resentments are harbored and things like that but um you know, you want some more fleshed outness. You always wanted to see kind of grown up Dick Grayson in the series and stuff like that. So 
getting these spin-off books where we actually do get to spend some time with the bat family and uh you know it just kind of gets to flesh out some of these characters a bit more and give some layer to this amazing uh you know white knight story here i'm all for it and uh every single thing in my opinion just about that he's given his own interpretation on whether it be like the Azrael stuff and you know the previous mm. story curse or or even you know the Terry McGinnis stuff and and you know just the and the status quo of Gotham he he handles the characters and the lore so appropriately and I hope we have our discussion soon about like all the White Knight stuff because I could go on about this forever but I'm really excited <laughs> and uh, I think the Red Hood stuff is going to be great I think the Nightwing stuff is going to be great and I think it's going to help strengthen this already amazing story. Mm. And I'm really excited to see Shriek, by the way. Yeah, so early villains uh, on one of the covers for Batman Beyond Fight Tonight, or I should say, White Knight Presents Red Hood. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, and, and I hope we get more stuff like that, like more of if we're going to have the bat family running around in this era still to varying degrees i'd really love to see them like kind of toss up with terry's villains every once in a while like the idea of red hood going up against shriek and maybe terry not being involved in that fight at all that's really interesting to me because i'd love to see how that fight would go yeah and that's what's sick about like you said i mean it's it's his own spin but it's also like his opportunity and freedom to take stories that we've seen a million times i think it's kind of double cool insofar as freedom double freedom because it's beyond and it's murphy right because murphy's got his own murphy verse and beyond you get to play around with aspects of batman you wouldn't otherwise get away with uh, let alone being the future right so you have like and then it's Jason Todd. It organically fits in with the world of Terry because he's younger. He's a protege character and so on. Same um, attitude. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. There's commonalities even, even in their uh, character traits. So you're right. Like you can, it's so cool to be able to just throw in a villain of like, all right, let's do shriek versus, you know, Jason Todd. Whereas in standard Batman, you couldn't really, I mean, bringing in shriek into standard Batman, continuity wouldn't just make sense at all temporarily right. so right um yeah man so yeah i guess on my feelings dude i i was really blown away at first with the simone de mayo art for red hood i'll start with red hood um yeah you know we got previews of that beforehand it looked really badass simone de mayo uh does i think all the covers for future state gotham have you seen that book yep yeah, badass, right? It's like all yep. black and white. Uh, very anime influence, but just very anime dynamic enough. covers. Yeah, super dynamic. Uh, yeah, and then the covers in particular, they're all done by this dude, Simone de Mayo, who's a Simone de Mayo, who's Italian, so he's got a special place in my heart. But uh, <laughs> Simone de Mayo does these like almost photorealistic things. And, you know, the Murphy verse is precious, in my opinion, because I always say it's like TV, right? Because it's there's like seasons of it per book and each mm-hmm. book is only like eight books. So there's smaller mini series and it's kind of like, I tell people to also, when I say that, that it's almost like if you know someone who hasn't read it before, like don't spoil it because it's, it's as kind of impactful as television. It's, it's game of Thrones ish. All these 
black label books are like if someone dies someone's dead in these books yep. <laughs> so like yep. um that kind of thing and stakes are high and it makes it it makes it great so i you know it kind of with it it's it's smaller it's its own type thing so i was kind of like why would you bring in a style that's so different into the murphy verse now with you could say with the harley quinn book that wasn't technically Sean Murphy doing the art, but it was still close enough where it was like, all right, here's someone that is doing kind of their own style, but let's say their own spin on Sean Murphy's style. It's not really their own style. Right. Whereas like this is just Simone DeMeo doing Simone DeMeo art with like the costume designs of mm -hmm. White Knight. So at first I'm kind of like, eh. but then I saw these images. And, like, I'm looking at Jason Todd right now with the classic, you know, torture you know, of, of uh, Joker and the crowbar. And yeah, where he's, he's got the straight razor, too, and he's crying. Yeah, dude. Oh. And these images are stunning. You know, everything is lit very, uh, I hate to get nerdy in Italian here, but the artist Caravaggio, Caravaggio, he was... He used what was fascinating about his work was that he used like stage lighting before electricity worked in his painting, meaning, or before electricity was even a thing, before it existed, he had like the people in his paintings looked like they had a stage light on them, like a spotlight. That's incredible. <laughs> so, uh, this super bright backlighting or spotlighting on everyone, it's all on a stage. Uh, point is, story long i absolutely am surprised in the best way at how much i absolutely love all the stuff that we saw uh of red hood i agree and because these are kind of interim projects i think mm. that now i actually kind of welcome that slight tonal difference it'll give us a nice little breather from the main story it'll actually kind of feel like a minor like detour I totally agree. I was thinking that as well of like, you know what? The style matches with his strategy of putting it out, like the the release, uh, the release of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's also because it's a new character. It's a spinoff. It's not technically in it's continuity, but it's not uh, it's Murphy versus continuity, but it's not, you know, uh, Batman proper. So, yeah. It's kind of a side character in the way that the Harley Quinn one was. I'm looking forward to it, man. And what's what's also cool is that, yeah, it's like it's going to be its own style and its own thing. But whatever happened in the events of this, what I'm assuming, if it's going to be chronological, like it's not just going to be flashbacks. What I'm assuming is that at the end of book two, it's going to kind of roll into, I guess, what would be book five of White Knight. Right. Right. Damn. That's sweet. Yeah. And they did that sweet. Uh, they did you see that um, that special that deluxe edition issue? Uh, which one uh, of what uh, Red Hood? For uh, it collected, I believe, issues one and two of White of Beyond the White Knight. Oh yeah, I posted that to Instagram. In fact, I saw that today at the comic shop. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I forget what it's called. The deluxe edition, I think, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's gorgeous. I, I that's a cool ass cover. Shop yet, but I saw that that was released. 
Yeah, it's got like the, I mean, I guess they all have the, um, what do they call it? The specialty cardstock covers. Yeah. But it's like here, it's, uh, I have it right here, Batman White Knight Showcase Edition. Yeah. So we're first two issues of the sold out hit series. That's nice. I'm glad he's been re-releasing issue one because uh, I know there are some printing issues with uh, at least the first two issues, and uh, it's just nice that uh, it's it's accessible for people still. You know, there's a lot of reprints. So yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, there was that whole kind of print fiasco and confusion when they first put it out. I remember that. Um, And then yeah, let's not forget. Batman Beyond the White Knight proper book six. So we've gotten previews of uh, book five before, but this is the first one with book six. How about that Nightwing title card cover, dude? I know. (laughs) Now, this is not a brag nor a humble brag. This is just a fact. I normally don't get much more than 100, maybe 150 likes on most of my posts. Like, anything more than 150, 200, I'm like, oh, wow, that, people really like this picture. That's just mm-hmm. how my Instagram is. Dude, within 12 hours, I had 500 likes on that. <laughs> Dude, it's it's awesome. So if you guys haven't seen it, it's uh, Nightwing, Batman Beyond the White Knight. So for the Beyond the White Knight, uh, if you've been following the book, there's these like character title cards almost that... They'll say the character's name, and then it'll say Batman Beyond the White Knight under it. There was one for Batgirl. There's now one for Nightwing. Um, there was a Bruce Wayne one for him in prison. And then what else am I missing? Red Hood or Robin for J, uh, Duke Thomas. Yes. Yeah. So book six, Nightwing. And it's cool because Barbara's, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, Dick's getting his piece. <laughs> Dude, I love his costume in this continuity with the jacket and everything. Yeah, how sexy are the high-up collars in the designs? Yep. Yep. You know me, I mean, like, I that's, like, my style. I still rock any kind of high-up collar like that. Like, that is my style. I got that. Dude, um, it makes so much sense that stylistically, like, if Dick Grayson would wear that jacket, like, in in his early 20s or whatever... Then I would buy that Terry McGinnis would also wear a similar jacket. So it, it's cool that, like, they kind of have like the jacket thing going. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. And Red Hood also has the jacket. He does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool look. You know, interestingly, with the whole, uh, oh, I guess we'll finish going through what else was revealed. There was, so there was the, uh, Variant that we just talked about, which is the Nightwing title card one. Then there's the standard, which is <laughs> what I sent to you. Of it kind of looks like the dance moves on the front. No, it doesn't, but it looks <laughs> like it could be <laughs> of uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight book six. And it's two characters meet. Of I should say the two Robins of the Murphy verse meet the two original Robins. And then this continuity what's interesting uh so on the cover real quick it's just jason todd kind of back to back with nightwing and then bruce is doing what looks like a breakdance move this cover <laughs> gives me like tarantino vibes <laughs> yeah a little bit like a pulp fiction type thing i think it's kind of cool i i really like the shoulder to shoulder thing yeah he goes it 
he does this a lot of just dancing on the no pun intended just dancing on the line of like this is kind of cheesy movie slash shit. yeah but but you know he he obviously sees the tongue in cheek in it <laughs> oh yeah he's uh there's another i don't i couldn't find the name of the artist i don't know if you saw that other preview that came out with the uh, comic-con reveals of book six but it's got it's bruce uh in the foreground and then there's of course the classic shadows of like bruce leaning over that ledge and then there's the shadow of the joker behind him yes and the artist it's a cool style it's like the real thick black outlines it looks Close enough to Murphy where at first I honestly thought it was a Murphy cover and then I looked close enough and I was like, wait a second. That is not Murphy. Um, and it says FS22. So whoever it is, it's uh, the initials are FS. But that is a dope-ass cover as well. It was also a Comic-Con reveal. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at some of these things. I, I love... Uh... How on the suit, on Nightwing suit, he has the little uh, little vent pieces under like the logo, just like Terry's suit has. <laughs> it's such a cool little stylistic design that I think just adds a flair to these costumes. I love their shoes too. It's like '80s high tops meets almost like the Robin um, Robin shoes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what do you call the shoes? Pixie like shoes, yeah, like the pixie boots. Pixie boots, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's what it is. It's eighties high tops, especially Barbara's uh, shoes in that Nightwing picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but, that's, but yeah, that's like <laughs> I just love, yeah, like the sharpness of of his style and and God, the costuming is so unique and the rolled up sleeves. Everybody's got rolled up sleeves. Yeah, that's <laughs> even Bullock in, in White Knight. He had rolled up <laughs> sleeves. Love it. Uh, then we get pictures of, uh, I guess back to Red Hood for a second. We got pictures of like what of, of, you know, Batman and Robin springing into action through the classic that we've seen in every Batman iteration of everything, comics or movies of the skylight crash. So Batman and Robin crashing through the skylight. And then it's a panel of them kind of arguing and it's just kind of this whole visual like oh i know that from jason todd i know that from jason todd <laughs> yeah i uh pictures of the Batcave, pictures of him stealing the uh the wheels of the batmobile mm-hmm. yep the the classics and we uh, yeah we mentioned that uh red or jason todd's the first robin in this continuity yes Yes, which is cool. The first Robin, um, which I'm fine with. I mean, I, I think for the sake of like continuity differences, like it made sense within the context of the story he was telling. Doesn't really change anything. That's cool. Now let's make a quick prediction here. So in this storyline, a lot of people can't stand Dick Grayson. I don't blame him necessarily, but it's because he blames Bruce Wayne. <clears throat> for the state of what Gotham has turned into, which is essentially this like police state. Like he doesn't like the police state, but he also kind of blames Bruce Wayne for it and just has no time for old right. Bruce. Right. So like 
with him and Jason facing off, I wonder if it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I just wonder, like, what do you? How do you think all that's going to fit? Do you, th- you think Bruce is going to be working with Jason, and they'll flip it, and then it's like Bruce and J- uh, Bruce and Jason versus Nightwing? Um, no, I think it's going to be. Uh, well, I think it's going to be one of those complicated battles where it's going to be like. Uh, Bruce, I think it might be like Dick, Dick versus uh, Jason, and then Bruce is going to get involved and try and get them to like settle down, but he's going to awkwardly like get kind of caught in the middle of it. And mm. I think it'll kind of be more of like a like a an angry father saying like you know having to smack some sense into both of his kids who are <laughs> both you know, kind of acting out on both ends uh, type thing. And uh, because Do I, I have to come back there, <laughs> everyone, everyone has like the raw, you know, like even Terry right now, he's running around and he's being fed a lie by powers and he's not, he, he's only just now starting to come around to it. And um, so I, I think that was kind of the point, like the bat family right now is extremely fractured or being fed some type of lie. Uh, and so, like, I think this is piece by piece, like, Bruce having to confront all of them and, like, get them back on the same page here. And each time, you got a dope-ass action scene. Yep. Perfect. Uh, one last thing, I guess we'll cover for White Knight and Red Hood. We got a new Robin, another new Robin. Now, last issue of White Knight, we are now up to... For those listening to Posterity, we're up to issue four of Beyond the White Knight. It's a total of eight issues, so we're right in the middle. Um, we do have issue five coming, and then in between is we're going to get two months of Red Hood. Now, I will say, real quick, issue four, a lot of people said online it was their favorite. I got to agree. Issue four kicked ass, dude. Yeah. So I don't, you know, we don't, we're not going to do a recap here. I don't know if I mentioned it before. I know you did. You said like, uh, you know, you can't wait until we get deeper into white Knight. We did more. Ep- we did do one episode kind of briefly talking about it, but we are going to do just so you guys know, uh, you know, full episodes of for each book, we're going to do an episode of the podcast. Um, and we also, I guess it's worth mentioning, we're going to do the same for Neo year. I don't know if we're going to do issue by issue as you know, like one episode per issue. I think we might, what might be good for Neo year is just like one podcast episode per two issues. We can just do like a, a quick three, because it's only six books. Yeah. Right? And Don't you think Neo year would be good of just three episodes? Three episodes. Um, we could do like two, two, and two. We could even tack on like Urban Legends to the beginning of the first one. You know? Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, point is, we do have uh, you know issue by issue coverage coming of White Knight, but we definitely wanted to uh, talk about for Comic Con's sake this book, where we're at, just so you guys know, uh, especially in posterity, what we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, book four, it was a big one. I, I'll also say, without giving it away any specifics, I think that it's at the point because it's halfway through. They just he has the advantage now, Murphy. Of like he set up everything. It's eight issues all together, so we're dead in the middle. So all the cool stuff is coming out. Yep, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're at the payoff portion now. We're gonna start getting some stuff. And uh, man, I mean, he's just 
<laughs> well, and how about this? We're at the payout portion, and we still, and now we have to wait two months for the payoff. <laughs> True, dude. Did, I, I must say, I love uh, also just the little jabs. He he's such he's too much. I mean, did, like the the headstones of Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Ah, yeah, dude. <laughs> so much cool shit. Oh, it's just. I mean, there's there's so many layers to the praise I can give this. An ace, the bat hound, son. Ace, yep. <laughs> jo- Joker and uh, Bruce have always had that great chemistry. Um, I mean, they're just Bruce is like you know becoming the the cranky Bruce right now, and Joker's still kind of the well classic Joker. So they pl- they have a really funny chemistry in this story. Yeah, and it always was a weird relationship they had anyway in White Knight. Yeah. So I think it's cool of like doing the Return of the Joker thing of bringing him back as, as again, this is no spoiler at this point, we're four books in, of kind of this uh, hologram that only Bruce can see, let's call it that, of uh, implant in his brain where, you know, whatever, you come up with the sci-fi explanation of how that would all work. But I think it works for the story because, again, specifically how weird their relationship was in uh, – <laughs> previously mm-hmm. you know the jack napier thing and him being a little closer to human than a normal joker which is uh you know it has its story benefits it does it also has its drawbacks which is uh i think a perfect transition of <laughs> us talking about marvel where apparently every bad guy needs to be redeemed yes that's just that's just the trope over there at Marvel. Once again, though, before we uh, get into that, we are we do have some more be- uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight coverage coming. We're going to do uh, book by book. We're also going to talk about uh, DC animated movies over at the DC animated movie show. And today we're going to talk about some DC animated movies. But before that, once again, we got a couple other bad projects. I don't want to talk deep into detail here. Uh, it's more just like news announcements. Let's call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got year one Gotham. So it's going to take place in the universe of year one, uh, but it's not centered around Batman. What do you think about Gotham year one? Um, yeah, so if I'm being honest, I'm not really excited only because <laughs> I just feel like we've been spending so much time now and like, the year one i feel like we do so much either year one batman and or like at last year batman like frank miller beyond you know like end of year batman yeah so like bookend I'm, batman that, cool. <laughs> like i'm i'm not against this project but like we just had the batman and um you know like every time we get batman like i said it's either like batman begins where it's we're starting over or BVS, where we get his origin story and a Frank Miller Batman in the same movie. So it's just kind of like I'm sort of over it. And, dude, I had to spend a lot of time rereading, like, uh, Year One and all that stuff in prep for the Batman. So I'm just kind of particularly over that era right now. But, you know, it's a cool announcement. It's just not really what I want at the moment in time. So there's so much much other stuff we could be getting than that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I gotta agree. It's, uh, I'm having only year one fatigue myself. So you're saying you're not excited for Batman Cape Crusader now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's what I guess is the most annoying is that when you have a saturation of any one style of any one thing, in this case, year one Batman, it's like now a thing that's better than this is going to be worse. <laughs> Meaning like Batman Cape Crusader, I promise you is going to be way better than, you know, Gotham city year one by Tom King and Phil Hester. But it's like, because there's another year one thing coming out again, you're just kind of watering down what, could be cool for a, a future better year one-ish type thing. I agree. Um, again, it's by Tom King and Phil Hester. It's saying that uh, Gotham City Year One set to debut uh, issue number one in October this year. It'll run for six issues with a total wrap-up. Uh, six issues in total wrap-up in March 2023. Two generations before Batman. Wow, that's... Oh, it's not even... I thought it was concurrent to year one it's two generations before see then it's more like a political book i'm sure like the politics of gotham which again i I already have plenty of stories covering that i don't need another one especially if batman himself won't even be there (laughs) how about batman who cares let's do that book you know i'm sure there's some listeners right now that like might be rolling their eyes saying like is this guy happy with anything i assure you it's just <laughs> a situation where like, hey we just, I just them, feel like, like 15 minutes of stuff we like. year one no sorry to interrupt i was just saying you just give them 15 minutes of stuff that you like so you're in the clear <laughs> okay <laughs> so, sorry what, yeah, what did yeah, you say no, it's just like dude i just feel like there's an oversaturation of year mm-hmm. one or at least i've consumed a lot of it recently i don't even want to say there's an oversaturation i've just consumed a lot of it recently so I'm personally not at all moved by any of this, but uh, it's it's news. So, <laughs> well, speaking of news that you are excited about, we're getting a Riddler year one, Eli. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then after this, I'm not kidding. We have a prequel comic to talk about. Oh my goodness! You know. But yeah. Anyway, uh, let's do Riddler Year One. So this is in the universe of Matt Reeves, the Batman. Speaking of the Batman, you talked about that before. Um, you know, that's a year two Batman, of course. So this is written by Riddler, Paul Dano, right? So what's that? Written by Paul Dano, right? Yeah, written by Paul Dano. I don't know. I forgot who the. So what do you think of Riddler Year One? I'm actually excited just because um, I love things like this. I, I love that they're giving Paul Dano. Uh, the chance to write the Riddler in a story kind of in, you know, a way like he wants to do it. I want to see, you know, what he might bring to the character that perhaps he couldn't have on, on screen, um, that he might have the freedom to do in, in a story like this. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of it's going to, and you know, he's going to interject a lot of his own like Riddler voice into it, but you know, he might give his own additional flair now. And if nothing else, I'm excited to see that. So um just from a creator standpoint that's why i'm at all enthused about this now that you just i'll admit i was not pumped for this at all but you just and nor when people like danny devito is doing a pain i'm like come on why do i care but you made a good point of like these are people an actor 
if they're doing their job, it's going into the head of the character in a way that any healthy, normal person or any person who's not given that job, you know, is not going to do. Um, yeah. These guys are pros. Dano, I mean, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, God, how is this escaping me? Uh, there will be blood. I mean, this is the there the guy from There Will Be Blood. This is mm-hmm. you know, Little Miss Sunshine. He was he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. And even if this Riddler wasn't my thing, which it was not, that's a really good point. That when you said this kind of thing of an actor going in and writing and bringing something to a character we've never seen before, because it's only out of his own head, we never would have been able to see this before. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. It actually kind of makes me want to read the Danny DeVito one for Penguin. <laughs> well, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily speak for that one, but... Uh, did you read that? No. Uh, well, I mean, Dan Mora did the art. I worship Dan Mora. Yeah, uh, Dan Mora is a great artist. And, uh, you know, I, I this Riddler isn't... It wasn't exactly what I want out of the Riddler, the whole Zodiac mm. thing. But uh, like I said... You know, like we just discussed, I think that it, at that very least, is it. Get, Paul Dano has earned the right to to do something like this, and I'm excited to see what he delivers. So, even if it turns out to be not necessarily something I'm interested in, I'll at least give it the time of day. All right. Um, yep. So it just says DC Comics revealed the preview pages for Riddler Year One, number one, uh, and it's in a panel called Jim Lee and Friends. Paul Dano shared the details about the comic book as well. So it's a six issue comic book series. It'll feature Edward Nashton as opposed to Edward Nigma. Again, this is all from the Batman Edward Nashton, his emotionally true struggles against the corrupt Gotham administration. So yeah, it's what turned the Riddler into the Riddler. <laughs> uh, we also got <laughs> because we love our prequels. Let's take a break from the prequels. Uh, Batman and Spawn, Eli. Yeah. Um, so this was announced at Comic Con. Uh, go for it. So I had a feeling McFarlane was up to something just due to the fact that uh, he's been very active lately uh, on Instagram and he was really active going into this con. I don't know if you saw, but he kept saying, like, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to keep you. I'm going to keep you updated on all the uh, coverage coming up and stuff. So I said, oh, he's definitely uh, got some things coming. And I was, I will admit, I'm a little, I was a little surprised about this because I I didn't think uh, he would do any type of like book like this for DC, uh, especially like 2022. But uh, I'm, guess i'm excited for it i mean i'm excited just for the fact of like it'll be cool to see like a 2022 mcfarlane spawn book on or uh, i'm sorry batman book on the shelf but i'm not really a spawn person and uh like i read the original batman spawn and you know mm. it was okay it's on par <laughs> with those other type of stories like spider-man batman batman predator you know it's mm-hmm the mill crossover book of properties and i expect very much the same from this and uh i guess again this is the type of thing it's like from a creator standpoint yeah like it'll be kind of cool to see like capullo and uh mcfarlane and some of them get together on a project like this but like from a character standpoint from a technical standpoint 
I really don't care about Spawn and uh, <laughs> and like the idea of a Batman Spawn like happening again. Like, okay, that's cool, I guess, but I won't be like marking my calendar for it. Yeah, I just, I mean, I do see stylistically, environmentally, trash-filled alleys. It's a noirish character. Um, he's a city character, kind of dirty city. It that works, but when it comes to interdimensional, you know, the dudes from hell and kind of the whole Hellraiser change and supernatural, there's nothing about the two of them that, like, in terms of power sets and power levels, it feels like Batman would need, like, John Constantine by his side to even talk to Spawn. Yes. Uh, Spawn you know? is on a completely different tier. Spawn is more... Spawn <laughs> should be having books with like characters like Ghost Rider. Uh, uh, but, you know, from a very superficial level, they're similar. You know, they do the, the cloaking, brooding thing. And I guess to <laughs> Todd McFarlane, that's enough. So, hey, uh, bring it on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Clucking, brooding. They both love throwing a, a way oversized cape over their face and breathing. Um, so yeah, Batman yeah, Spawn. Like... No, go I'm ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just reading from the from the web thing to to close this part out. What were you saying? I was gonna say, but the one thing I am excited for is maybe this will uh, kind of get some. Uh, movement going and maybe down the line like McFarlane will consider other type of like uh crossover books or other type of DC books like I, I don't ever dare see him if I'm being realistic touching like a Batman Beyond title but it would be cool if maybe he did like some other type of like Justice League member crossing over with maybe one of his properties or something like that you know, I just, uh, like, a Batman spawn, basically, I see this as a good jumping off point, and if he's comfortable enough with his experience, and it does well, maybe we'll get other interesting things from him. Because I like Todd McFarlane, I just, you know, I like him for what he is, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like his art. <laughs> nice, there it is. Um, so, yeah. The this is again during the Jim Lee and Friends panel, the same one that we that I mentioned before with the uh Riddler Year One book. This was at SDCC Batman Spawn number one, one shot special written by Spawn creator Todd McFarlane and drawn by Greg Capullo. It's an artist, an artist with extensive experience with both characters. Yeah, I mean, Capullo was McFarlane's boy back in the 90s. Um, yep. he was one of the people that really. When there's a whole, if you want to hear a great Capullo story, it's pretty incredible. It's on uh, the old episodes of Fat Man on Batman before it was Fat Man Beyond, which is available on that Kevin Smith club. So you got to kind of pay for it. But it's like five bucks a month. Totally worth it if you want to binge the old Fat Man on Batman episodes. Anyway, the one with Greg Capullo, he was on there to talk about um, the new 52 Batman because that was as long ago as that was. That's when they recorded those back in like 2012, 2013. And you know, Capullo gives a lot of credit to Todd McFarlane and helping him um, sober up. I mean, he was literally an alcoholic who was like working not really enough to like get himself sober. And Todd like worked with him through that time of like, you're a great artist. You can do it. 
um, you know, and basically gave him like an open contract. Like Capullo was so good that at one point he was like, all right, just I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money every month. And then whatever you can put out for me, put out for me. I have, he at that time still had like the early toy line going. He had just anything that I send you, just put your Greg Capullo spin on it. But Spawn, yeah, was one of his um, things that he was on for years. Like Capullo Spawn is like its own brand almost. That's incredible. So the fact that they're coming back and that, again, I mean, I just said Capullo was on the new 52 Batman stuff for years. Uh, for him to kind of come back to be with McFarlane on Spawn is is pretty beautiful in a couple ways. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know all that, actually. I'm, uh, I'm not really familiar with, like, the Spawn uh, history or... <laughs> I'm actually, I wasn't all that familiar with Capullo's history altogether. Why don't you get your shit together, Eli? Jesus. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know besides everything about Batman Beyond? I know. Just, just Batman Beyond. That's kind of my wheelhouse. <laughs> you don't know about Batman. You don't know about Spider-Man. You don't know about <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, <clears throat> all right. Speaking about things you don't know, Jon Snow, uh, real quick, actually. You've never watched Game of Thrones. No. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, off mic. I got. I, I have some ideas, projects, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm going to try to pitch to Eli that might, might be coming to the network. I'll leave it at that. My, my mind is fully open for this. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so, anyway. Marvel. Uh, and I actually do have a Game of Thrones thing to kind of tie into this. It's not... Um, we're not going to directly talk about Game of Thrones, really, but um, it's not an entire tangent, because I, I've been doing my Game of Thrones rewatch, and there is that House of Dragons show coming, and there was some Comic-Con news. They dropped the trailer for it. I refuse to watch trailers for Game of Thrones. It's a thing. It's kind of a rule that I have. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. But let's hit Marvel. Um, so there were kind of what's cool, I guess, now. <laughs> I want to be nice. <laughs> uh, and fair and diplomatic there were positive sides of marvel this year but we have both live action and animation i mean for a while marvel just had nothing going when it came to animation they had those crappy um like wannabe dc animated movies but for marvel and they just weren't good i i tried to watch like the iron man one and there's some guardians ones and they're just not yeah good. so they had like unwatchable avengers home you know straight to dvd crap for years but now, you know, there is MCU set uh, in canon animation, um, among other things. So you want to start with live action or animation, Eli? <laughs> Let's start with animation. We'll build up because, you know, live action is the big thing. <laughs> that is true. And this is what we'd rather talk about. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, four or five things I want to say off the top of my head. Oh, actually, I could pull it up here, but. Uh, real quick, we got Marvel Zombies, so that's been confirmed to be and not just a series, its own series, which, of course, we saw on the What If series, but it's also R-rated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll go through the list real quick. There was the Marvel Zombies, the X-Men 97. There is... What am I missing? There's, like, two or three more things. Yeah. Um... A what If is coming back? What If... And then there was the Spider-Man freshman year show. Right, Spider-Man freshman year. So let's start with... 
I is so sad. It's like I should be pumped for all these things. If you had told me a year ago, even before I had seen What If, and before yeah. I had seen some of the even like the Star Wars stuff, turn me off because I know it's Disney. It's just that. What was that show? Visions. Um, you know, I, none of these things pump me. So I guess let's start with the thing. <laughs> The thing that should pump me up is uh, X-Men 97. Yeah. Now, what the initial thing that confuses me real quick is that, is it because that show ended in 97, right? Because it was 92 to 97. Am I right? Right. So this is picking up in 97 when it should have ended. Yeah. And I guess it's just to denote that it's like the same series, although it's... But why not call it X-Men 92? Because isn't that what the um, didn't they start a comic line or something that uh, it already like the original it's already referred to as that or something like that? Oh, I don't know. So like the sequel series, I guess they just want to be able to. But like if it if it's gonna oh be because a it's a sequel, yeah. But if it's going to be a continuation of the same thing, then I don't know. All right, here's why I'm pumped. I and when I say that, I know everyone knows that too. And I know there's also the Miss Marvel thing. I number one don't care, but number two, <laughs> I just that theme song. I as a kid, so it was again '92, same year as Batman the Animated Series. The reason we're here talking about Batman Beyond, okay? That same block of Fox Kids. It was Batman the Animated Series, and then and I would watch that intro. And be super pumped. And I don't remember hanging out for the rest of the show. But I really love that intro. And the other special place that the X-Men, that generation of X-Men mostly has in my heart, is the uh, arcade video game yeah. <laughs> that it's based on. Yeah. Dude. Long Beach Island, Jersey Shore, every summer. My grandparents had a beach house. And we would spend more time in the crappy bodega down the street and we would just play in that arcade game that we would uh, on the beach because <laughs> it was so awesome dude i mean i uh i would always tune into fox to watch the uh, spider-man animated so i would always catch x-men just by proxy you know it was always either before or after i don't remember and that that theme was just so iconic and oh. like you said I mean, me personally, I'm not uh, like X Men isn't my big thing, but I just that intro. It for me, it's kind of like the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like '80 show. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of vivid memory with that show, but I remember how iconic that intro was. Yeah, even people who you know, so you also weren't a lot like, for that show. Turtle heads <laughs> like. I, I know a lot of Turtle fans say that like the O three series is the uh, the more faithful adaptation, and I'm pr probably sure it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, even people who like that version more could at least admit that like the eighties theme was it was a classic in a lot of ways. It was totally. so X Men. I have great reverence for that intro. It's you know who wrote the TMNT intro. Chuck Lorre, the showrunner of Big Bang Theory. Really? <laughs> yeah. Before he was Chuck Lorre, he...
I guess. I forget the story. It's actually, he tells it pretty well. I'm not a big Chuck Lorre fan. Uh, I don't like Big Bang. It's not my thing, nor do I like. But people tell me all the time that it is my thing because they think anyone nerdy is, is has to like Big Bang Theory. I'm like, nope, I don't. <laughs> I hear the my favorite my favorite uh, people what is it persuasive thing people try to use is going like well it's written by the jokes are written by real physicists and I'm like how about comedy writers that's right. who I'd prefer writing jokes but anyway um, <laughs> not a fan of Big Bang and yeah weirdly that's a funny story if you don't want uh, good Chuck Lorre to to give the guy probably a lot of the credit he deserves I mean he's First of all, like a multi-billionaire at this point with those shows. Uh, he also did that show Kaminsky Method on Netflix, which is actually pretty good. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to nerdy stuff. We got... Uh, all right. So we talked about X-Men 97. I heard there were stills of that released and people were not <laughs> so impressed. I didn't see them. <laughs> did you see any of those stills? Of uh, X-Men? Yeah. No. Were there stills going around? This all they're like, oh, X-Men ninety-seven. We're not showing you shit except for stills. I'm like, stills? Stills is the opposite of yeah. animation, son. Yeah, no, uh, I didn't I didn't see any stills. Yeah, I don't know. It's, some people are liking it, some other people. I don't know enough about that old show, and again, I'm not really an X-Men guy. Um Speaking of the X-Men, I don't know if you knew this, uh, but we just had the Miss Marvel thing again. I don't want to talk too much about this, but there was just the episode of Miss Marvel, and they literally played because it was revealed that she is a mutant. Mm. So six episodes, uh, spoilers, (laughs) is that she doesn't, the power doesn't come from the places that she thought, whatever. She, in fact, is a mutant um the thing though that i was about to mention is that for the greater franchise apparently mcu is not going to be calling them the x-men they are the mutants now sorry the mutants now huh did you hear this Uh, okay i mean well you know why eli the word men is offensive just call them the X people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's the reason. I did hear it's a gender thing uh, to rename it. I but... believe that, and if that's the case, just call them the X people or the X's or. That was exactly what I was gonna say. It's like then leave men out of it. Just X something. Yeah. Thank God. Ugh. Anyway. Um. But Marvel so... doesn't really like or Marvel right now. My problem is. Okay, very, very quick rant, but I'm only doing this because we're about to get into Marvel, so I just want this to be, like, kind of clear. I I really like the idea that we're, like, kind of playing with multiversal stuff. It's just that ever since Endgame, there's been this problem of we don't know the rules of our time travel and or our multiverse, and so, like, every movie kind of adheres to different rules, meaning... I can't really get attached to a project because I don't really know what rules or stakes are at play. For example, we just got done talking about like in uh, like WandaVision and uh, 
um, what was that? Some of these uh, different projects, how like ver- like Loki, like how variants are each different version of a character from a universe will be like uh, Doctor Strange from another universe will be another Benedict Cumberbatch. He just might be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in No Way Home, we get Tom Holland uh, with two other Peter Parkers that look nothing like him and have universes that don't resemble him at all kind of thing. And, you know, there's obviously reasons why that is behind the scenes, creative reasons. But if they can't and then, you know, there's the the amount of plot holes with time travel and endgame. So it's like if you can't have your multiversal and universe time travel rules be consistent, then I can't expect consistency out of your stories. And if that's the direction we're going to be leaning on moving forward, then we're already off to a very bad start. <laughs> And it already seems like they're doing things like just to slap in the face. Like you said, they did that X-Men theme thing. I believe it. It, it, I, I, and I find things like that annoying from them only because like in WandaVision, we had that spoilers, but now the show's kind of older. We had that thing where like, uh, the Fox's version of, uh, Pietro appeared just for it to be, you know, like kind of a bait and switch type thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I, Marvel thinks they're being cute right now, and I'm not amused. I think that kind of thing's just annoying. Uh, they need to, again, be on some consistent terms with their multiverse stuff, because that's what we're doing right now. We're doing multiverse, and I'm for that, but let's let's get the ground rule. That's all. <sighs> yeah, I will acknowledge everything you just said or I'll try to remember it uh, when we get live action in earnest here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have a couple quick animation, Marvel animation here. Um, and then we're also not going to spend too much time on live action because we're not on a Marvel show. When we'll get into the, the DC stuff. So real quick, uh, our other Marvel shows, uh, again, Marvel Zombies. So uh, what do you th- real quick on Marvel Zombies? What do you think, Eli? Isn't uh, Kirkman involved in that? Oh, I did not know that. I'm intrigued. Do tell. I I, I thought I read that. I I could be wrong, but I thought uh, Robert Kirkman was involved in that project. Oh snap! Um, let me double check that real quick. Uh, for the uh, listeners, I I am stepping outside real quick. If you hear cricket, so excuse the uh, the informal sound. This is due to our excitement for Comic Con this year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh while eli's looking at that i don't know i just the marvel zombies were cool i thought that was one of my favorite of the what ifs um i just the whole project of what if wasn't terribly exciting to me and i think that episode by episode i i was more excited about it like while i was watching it i was like oh this is really cool and then like the second it ended I was like, what if I like that more? (laughs) (laughs) What if I like that more? What if I remembered what I just watched? I I can't get a name attached to this project, but Robert Kirkman wrote the original Marvel Zombies that this is adapting, so I can only imagine that he'll be involved in this. Um, Yeah, that'd be cool. That being said, I'm excited for this i think marvel zombies is actually a really cool concept yeah um it's just that like you said 
It's what if. <laughs> That's a very glaring problem to me. And the other problem with what if is like, what if there were stakes? Because there aren't. Yeah. And and here's a what if. Like, what if we actually <laughs> did what if stories I cared about? Because you have, we've talked about this, you have an entire toy chest, an entire Marvel universe you could play with. All of the characters, all of the timelines, all of the possible combinations, and it's animated. And you have a green light. And we are doing what if Peter Parker was a YouTube zombie hunter? <laughs> what? Uh, and, you know, it's like the Thor one was fun, but it's also, again, what? this is what you're doing. I mean, it's like you weren't a fan. <laughs> is that what you said? You weren't a fan? Oh, you were. Oh, you were like, the Thor one was fun. I was like, it was? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. I mean, I was just trying to give it some credit, but it's like, you know, it's fun. But once again, it's like, this is what you're doing with, with these properties. <laughs> um, man. So, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how Marvel Zombies goes. I think if you're going to expand on any of the what ifs, that's probably the best one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm uh... I'm excited for it to a degree. It's probably the thing next to X Men that I'm most open for, uh-huh. uh, just because it's different. But again. What if has been extremely underwhelming, so yeah, all right. Uh, so we're excited about that as well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what else? So, we there's oh, so and what if is continuing. So, what if Marvel Zombies Spider Man freshman year? So, we're a Batman Beyond podcast. What do you think about the idea of explain Spider Man freshman year to the audience again? So, freshman year has people a little confused because. It's supposed to be MCU, Tom Holland, Spider-Man leading up to, as I understand, his time as like a street vigilante before he came into contact with Tony Stark. So, Oh, so a prequel, you know? Right. <laughs> the problem is you have characters that are going, they're just going to be interacting with that like, shouldn't quite exist yet like for example scorpion was revealed to be there but scorpion mcu's version of scorpion is in homecoming and he's not scorpion yet type thing uh and the chameleon and stuff like that so and and so characters before we should give a shit yeah (laughs) and 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 the artwork they released like you have uh him in like a finalized spider-man suit at least Uh in one of the images so it's like but if you got that from tony you know, so it has a lot of people confused. Like, is this an MCU project or is this its own thing? But regardless, I think that uh, <laughs> it, uh, it looks decent. I mean, I think that the art style looks cool. Like, Daredevil's costume looks cool. Now, was I, there animation? When you say this, is it stills or animation? Stills. Oh, okay. Well, that's exciting. Right? <laughs> 
more more stills, more exciting stills, and uh, you know, just enough to get people nice and confused. You know, no one's really excited, but everyone's awfully confused. So there's that. Um, so this is I the Krypton of Spider-Man. Yeah, like I, this is. Well, he'll have his powers. He just like it's like uh, oh. You see, this is the thing that uh, the show back in the 2003 did. In in 2003, there was a Spider-Man show uh, called Spider-Man The New Animated Series on MTV. And it wanted to set itself kind of tangentially in the uh, Raimi universe. <clears throat> so it kind of boxed itself in between these movies and because of that like certain characters contractually wouldn't appear and stuff like that and so while the series was good it really hurt the potential because you could never get a good green goblin story you could never get a good like venom story because the movies were going to eventually use those or had used those characters and so i uh this seems like the same thing where it's going to be like it looks like it has the potential to be really good, but it's already hurting itself because it's not allowing itself to be able to use certain <laughs> characters or go past a certain point. If you want to do something like that, like I have no problem if you want to make a Spider-Man show that shares likeness with MCU properties, uh, but it's not part of the MCU. Uh, it doesn't have to be the MCU or make give me a good Spider-Man show that's just not MCU Spider-Man. I get it's a contractual thing, so it has to share a likeness, but it doesn't have to be in the actual MCU. No, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> Everything has to take place in the MCU. <clears throat> the next uh-huh. Batman movie is going to take place in the MCU. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, real quick on my thoughts on Spider-Man freshman year. Um, Man, yeah, it's just... I was talking today, I was in the comic book shop today for a long ass period of time catching up. I hadn't been in there in a while. I want to talk about con, of course. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of people saying they're tired of prequels. That's literally a thing I said earlier today. And now I'm venting about prequels. But it's like, it's because if you're going to do a prequel, do what is interesting about what is before. And not necessarily everything that is before is interesting. Right. You can't just be like, okay, Pennyworth, a show. Right. No. No. <laughs> Not interesting enough. Like, sell <laughs> me. I haven't watched the show. I can't. But that's just an example of like, conceptually, just because it's before doesn't mean it's interesting. Make it interesting. And this is just, this to me does not um, sound particularly interesting. But no, anyway. I agree. And, and I've been seeing like, because it's funny, a lot of people do complain about it, but at the same time, a lot of people also ask for it. Like, I see uh, yeah. a lot of comments on YouTube if I'm in any particular type of medium where it's like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we got a spinoff where they showed, like, this character? and went, Well, no, just because they can do that doesn't mean they should and doesn't mean it'd be good. <laughs> yeah. What if we saw the character wake up the morning that something cool happened? Uh-huh. Well, it'd probably be better if we just watched the thing that's cool that happened. 
because most of life is not entertaining. <laughs> and when you watch a story, it's probably the parts of that person's life that are actually interesting, not boring. <clears throat> One thing we forgot to, I mean, it's not really news, but uh, I was, I read that uh, Deadpool will be coming to Disney plus soon. Yeah. So the uh, same news cycle as Comic-Con, same four days, um, Disney, sorry, Disney released the news that, yeah, they're going to have R rated content on their site. And in the first, the first of them is the two titles that it's going to, I can't talk at all. Apparently is Deadpool and Logan, which is really interesting. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, what the Disney's going to have R rated content. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a step in the right direction of a lot of the stuff that we're complaining about. Maybe it'll, the fact that they're going like, you know what? We do have other types of content beside making the same thing over and over. Because <clears throat> as we're about to, this is a good transition. Let's talk about live action now, uh, Marvel. Of like, spent too much time on this because I promise you it's not going to be positive and we're not a Marvel show. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what we were talking about, and this was at a, again, comic shop today. Okay, so these are people, this was the manager of a comic book shop. So not just a comic book shop, not just someone who works there, but the actual manager of the place. And he's like, he goes, yeah, I think one of the best descriptions I heard someone describing the MCU recently has just been a puppy man. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. It's like, not only is it a mill and it's just like a product that's being turned out, but it's almost like they're like a breeder. Uh, and I just thought that was a funny, even funnier way to put like That's how kind of hilarious. cookie cutter they've gotten. And then I added too, in kind of a sick, gross way of, uh, you know, well, now they're getting, it feels like this is the generation that's starting to be inbred. Like, well, now it's just incestuous over there because do- you've been doing the same thing for too long. It's like you can do the same thing for a certain amount of time. It's called between 2008 and the end of the Infinity Saga. And that's when you stop doing the same thing. And then if you think you can keep doing the same thing, uh, actually, I guess the one thing you're not continuing is quality. Then (laughs) it's just like, they're just putting out way too much of this shit. I I just don't, there's no reason. When I first heard, you and I had uh, a podcast a couple years ago, I think, 2019 it was for san diego comic-con it's exactly what it was and it was the return of the podcast after a long ass time of hiatus and we're talking about all the news that dropped a con and i would say <laughs> specifically i am excited for the marvel series because i think that a lot of them are i like the I'm excited for them being short orders, meaning they're only like eight, ten episodes, six episodes. I'm excited for that because it'll kind of ensure the potency of quality instead of doing 22 episodes or even the Marvel Netflix thing of like 10, 13. Yep. You know, you can do like 30 minutes to 40 minutes to an hour of eight episodes, make some tight television that's essentially a two and a half, three hour Marvel movie, but you just let it play weekly and it feels like TV. Mm-hmm. And instead, like, that's when, that's exactly when the movies started taking a huge dip. It's like you had 
the or the the movies and the whole franchise. It's like you had Black Widow, uh, Multiverse of Madness, uh, Loki. What's it called? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, like, what are these series? In my opinion, I mean, for those listening who like what I just listed off, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but I am going to tell you. I think it's pretty objective that those don't hold a candle quality wise to phases one through three. Agreed. And I'm going to tell you something. I mean, <clears throat> I think the only thing, even including Spider-Man, I think the only thing that has really even come close to hitting, in my opinion, the quality of like, like phase one gave me was Hawkeye. Hawkeye was yes, the only thing that, that I watched that I said, wow, like this was like just Marvel peak writing, peak character, peak acting. Because um, even No Way Home, it's like, like you just said, like it's very, because Marvel now has become very, uh, it's become like its own echo chamber in a lot of ways. And yeah. I mean, No Way Home isn't any exception, as good as it might be in its own way. But Hawkeye, I just thought, like, well, this is just something fresh. This is different. It's it, it's not this big universe, multiversal scale thing. It's just this tight Christmas story of a, you know, of a father who's trying to get home on time. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's been it for me, dude, pretty much. Yeah, I should have mentioned Hawkeye. I, I always forget about that one. And the best part about that... <laughs> Is that he's the least interesting character, and that is proof that your least interesting character, or at least how they had presented him up to that point, had the best show out of all of them. Yep. Which is proof, like, you know what? You could have made good shows for everybody. Instead, they, I just think that it feels to me very much uh, like we've done it like they, they just feel very full of themselves they feel overconfident they don't feel humble at all um i just saw so okay let's get to some concrete stuff of what we did see which yeah. is one thing it's san diego comic-con marvel studios you gave us one trailer okay didn't see anything in that trailer for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever that was disappointing to me, special effects wise. But I can tell you what I did see is Thor Love and Thunder. Have you seen this movie? No. <laughs> well, the effects, I, I complain <laughs> of uh, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. You and I talked on the phone shortly after I saw that and I was complaining then. Yep. I'll tell you guys what I told Eli then of Avengers is 10 years ago now. Avengers 1 is now a decade old. Just break your brain around that one. But <laughs> it's like the effects in that and this is what I'll, I promised to talk about Game of Thrones before real quick. This is what I was quickly mentioning was like you watch Thrones that's 10 to 12 year old CG and it's not all perfect but they made us like the slogan was you made us believe a man could fly I mean you made us believe dragons could fucking fly those things looked completely real yeah 
it's unbelievable the effects and and these giant exteriors of of this you know medieval parallel universe of giant palaces on cliffs that just almost star wars level of like that place it couldn't be real but look how real it looks yeah okay and we're talking about 2010 release meaning they're developing in 2009 um you know existed they were developing <laughs> game of thrones effects yeah like the mcu in its infancy <laughs> yeah like only because of yeah exactly um you know and uh, great example while we're there the effects in that the effects in avengers point is fast forward to now i'm seeing effects in multiverse of madness that i just i know for a fact i can tell they're rushing it yeah and it just looks like shit it looks specifically in the uh, whenever the camera moves around like in any kind of dramatic movement it's because like i they're completely in i think they're using these volume things now which is what they developed for the mandalorian where it's like a video screen mm-hmm. you know they developed that all that shit obviously over at disney anything at star wars is disney and Marvel uses it now, I'm assuming. And it just, they're rushing it. You could tell, did, did you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi? I know we talked about it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm actually, I've been starting it this week. Yeah, well, don't rush yourself. <laughs> but I will say, effects-wise, same problem. It's like, dude, I can just, I can tell you're shooting this shit. It's just, none of it looks convincing. Kenobi looks great um, from what I've seen so far. It, it just doesn't look as quite as refined as uh, Mando did. Yeah, well, believe me, especially once the action starts kicking in, it's it's cheap. And, and the, some of the environments that you're going to see, it's just not, you know, it, it doesn't even look sequel trilogy. Oh, it's like you could say, oh, it's TV, but it's the same fucking people developing it. So I don't want to hear that. Yeah. And um, uh, it's six episodes. It should look just as good as the sequel trilogy. Star Star Wars, though, hasn't looked uh, great to me since uh, I think Force Awakens looked great. And then I think like the movies after that don't look that good. I think they all look too too much like they're on a sound stage i guess mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know yeah they're just... too polished it's too much cg like it you know there was a lot of cg obviously in but he shot that movie on film first of all and then second of all it's like you know it doesn't look like he delivered he did everything he could to make it feel like an old star wars movie and talked about that ad nauseum and you could just tell as those movies went on they stopped doing that less and less yep unfortunately <clears throat> and i think the effects the reason i kind of go that deep into the effects is and we'll stop talking about marvel after this unless you have anything else to say of like actually let's i guess we could comment for a minute on uh wakanda forever but it's like i think that is a very big symptom of a greater problem over there which is just we're owned by disney we can pump out as many of these things as possible People are just taking in the Marvel brand like it's a drug now. Um, yeah. And again, that doesn't mean there's bad. Everything that comes out is bad. We're going to watch and take in all of it. Even Miss Marvel at some point. 
But I just what was fascinating again, bringing it back is like three years ago when you and I talked about what I what exactly excited me for these series are exactly what they're not doing with them and the movie it's being reflected in the movies as I just you're not bringing the quality you used to bring. I don't expect it once again to be the same. Uh, in fact, I'm celebrating the fact that they're sh- that means you. It's like, all right, let's stop doing the same thing of what we did with the Infinity Saga. Let's pivot and do something different. But if you're going to pivot and do something different, why are you still doing the same jokey comedy? It's the, it feels like the same thing just watered down. Fourteen years. It's fourteen years now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my Marvel rant. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have one thing I do want to say before we hop off Marvel. Yeah. So I was looking at, you know, their project coming up uh phase 5. Yeah. And you know, it's ultimately all leading up to Secret War and Kang. Yeah. Kang the Avengers Kang Dynasty and then there's an Avengers Secret Wars, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, all right. I had this discussion with someone a while ago that's always stuck with me on. I was saying how after Endgame, like I said, well, Endgame bookends the MCU so nicely. And, uh, like, just in terms of, like, candy, like, that was all sugar. Like, it was... You saw Captain America holding Mjolnir, running into battle with everyone on the MCU you've pretty much ever come into contact with on screen behind him, okay? Yeah. And so that was the high point, and that was the climax of the MCU. And I said, <sighs> me personally, I'm never going to, like, you'll never top that moment for me. <laughs> uh, even with another 20 years of buildup, like, you'll, you'll never top that, in my opinion. And so Secret Wars was just announced and because that was the rebuttal I got. We'll just wait for Secret Wars. They'll do it again and you'll get to see. It. But but I'm thinking about it now and there's nothing they could show me in Secret War that would top that moment. <laughs> um, because it's like, well, what would Secret War offer that that movie didn't? Like, what, now they're fighting in space? Well, I saw iron man fight thanos in space like like there's nothing you could show me in that movie that's going to top what i just saw uh and what we just built up to and so that's kind of the bottom line reason why i'm not excited for marvel movies anymore because i feel like it's over and there's nothing you can show me like i said at the beginning of this call there's nothing you show me that's going to change my mind it's not a project thing really it's not a quality thing it's just a it feels like it's over and i'm never going to hit that high point again but here we go like we're doing it all over again (laughs) (laughs) so which in your defense i mean in your defense it's also because they did paint themselves into a corner by choosing to be like this the next one is just the next chapter in the same story the same story the same story and it's like, well, after a while, that story's going to end, and you ended it, and you actually pull it off. You know, it's not yeah. like it's not like Endgame is perfect, but like you said, cap wielding Miller, shit like that. Yeah, uh, I love you three thousand. I uh, I am Iron Man. Yeah, for twenty movies, you stuck the landing. 
You did. You stuck the landing, and then you just keep going the same way. Um, I don't know. So, like, like we were saying before that analogy, I think the comic book guy was saying is like, it's just a drug. People hear the word Marvel. <clears throat> There's a whole generation now. If you do the math of 14 years, they've been hearing the word Marvel since they were young children, and yeah. they still hear it. And a lot of them are content creators and stuff. So, like, I'm, I guess, a content creator too, but. It's like I didn't grow up with this stuff and hearing that word, which is just at this point, like the best analogy that I have always heard and I always bring up for Marvel. <laughs> I've said to you before is, you know, it's like Chipotle. It was for a while it was Chipotle, and in my opinion, it was Chipotle up to Endgame, and now it's McDonald's. Chipotle meaning it's better than McDonald's, but it's also pretty much as dependable every time you go it's probably going to be as good way better ingredients uh, <laughs> probably a little more expensive but like you're not going to feel like shit after you eat it um and it's good still going to fill you up still going to yep. taste great but it's not and it's also not fancy it's It'll just get you out of it's pinch and it's not mcdonald's and it's not mcdonald's it's right there in the middle and now it is just mcdonald's over there so sad <laughs> so that's my positive springboard into dc no what were you gonna say no i was gonna say so sad but so true like the mcu just has this it's it's weird it was like the thing that it was almost praised for has become its downfall like it 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 was at one point revere you know beloved because it it was so refined and together and polished, but now it's too refined, too polished, too commercial, too, too neat. And uh, all the movies are just so painfully samey, man. I, I, I thought perhaps I was just kind of particularly burnt out at the time phase four started. So I said, you know, maybe I didn't give Shang-Chi and Eternals and Black Widow <laughs> a fair shake. So I tried <laughs> uh, I tried recently to rewatch all of them. I successfully made it through Shang-Chi this time. I could not get through Black Widow. You couldn't pay me to get through Black Widow. <laughs> I, find, I, I, I don't know what it is with that movie. I just cannot do it. I do. And, it's not uh, good. And the Eternals, like, I just find it boring. It's I don't find it bad. I just find I it boring. I never even bothered watching it. So... So, you know, I just, I'm kind of at this point with Marvel where, you know, it's this, you're polishing these really nice looking movies, but they are so, they're such empty calories. They're nutritionally empty. They they just mean nothing to me. And it's really sad, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm just at this point where I love superheroes and I love comics and I love the medium but uh, something's got to change. I mean, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm so underwhelmed. Any... Yeah. No, it's not, it doesn't mean anything wrong with you. It's that too much of anything is a bad thing. I just don't. Um, I Look, the whole time, although I was also, you know, a younger guy, I was not averted to being pretentious and was very kind of hesitant like i didn't see iron man for like a year i waited 
for a while. I was not like, oh, comic book <laughs> movies. Like, I had seen The Dark Knight that same year. Why would I see Iron Man? <laughs> what am I doing? I'm 23 years old, and The Dark Knight just came out. Are you kidding me? So, <laughs> no, I'm not, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, it was like, at that point, I was still very, like, film and not just movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so every movie that went by, I was like, even if they're bad, like they're still continuing this story and such. So I was hesitant for movie after movie after movie, and I couldn't believe I'm like, you, okay, this Iron Man movie was awesome. Now I want to see the next thing. Now I was going to... And before I knew it, it was like, oh my God, you made a you made me care about Thor. I'll never forget walking out of that theater going, You made me like a movie about Thor, the god of thunder in a Marvel comic book movie. Like, what did I just walk out of? That's how I felt about uh when when we left uh first Avenger, the first cat movie, I said Mm. oh my god they actually made like a really good modern cat movie and like hit me with the ending and everything yeah can you we were still in that world i dude i cap was another one i didn't see that shit in theaters i waited so long i'm like i don't care about a captain america movie <laughs> like, who's this boy scout what is this the superman of marvel uh-huh. with a helmet on like what do i care um and then man it's like now that's as that name, Captain America and Thor, are as ubiquitous as McDonald's in American culture. I have this childhood memory burnt in my brain of like, uh, uh, long story short, we were in science class and we had like a substitute teacher in or something, and they were doing this flashcard game where it was like trivia. And so, like, each it was like, all assorted so it was like pop culture it was all this stuff pre-mcu so because i was in eighth grade time so it was about 2007 or eight so as the mcu was starting actually Mm. so the trivia card that popped up was like um who is uh what was captain america's secret identity or alter ego and no one in, and I remember this vividly because people were like looking at like us who like read the comics in the room at the time, like, oh, like, what, what, what is it? Mm-hmm. And I drew a blank on the name too. I was like, I don't really like, I can't remember off the top of my head. And no one could like come up with the name. <laughs> and I remember that so vividly now because Steve Rogers, Captain America, has become such a household name. Like all these characters have become, that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And, and, yeah, so so it's the MCU's credit. I mean, it, they've changed things, definitely. They have, and I'll leave because uh, we really need to get off Marvel like instantaneously. But I will Marvel, which is kind of back to the Game of Thrones thing of like you can take source material, you can have not a gigantic thing, just a show on HBO. I mean, yes, it was gigantic budgets and stuff like that but you know it's like each season was still way less than you were spending on one of these marvel movies yeah you take really good source material and (laughs) the effects budget of an hbo show from 2010 and you can make some good shit and i just want marvel and i hope and i know that at some point i guess we it was proven to us we we did get Hawkeye. That's hope for Marvel for me. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's hope. Um, <laughs> I know Marvel can do it. I just think that they've been steered in this direction because they think to a degree they're giving people what they want with like all this multiverse stuff when in reality uh, I think people are pretty much tired of it and uh, you know I, 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 I could see some big course correction happening with Marvel in the future soon like if uh, enough people like get, because I, I do see fatigue settling settling with a lot of people, yeah. And I think that if Marvel catches wind and if a lot of people do get tired of like what's happening, I do think that it's possible that they might course correct and perhaps add some projects in or repurpose some things, maybe. But um, yeah, you know, in terms of what we have right now, uh, those are my thoughts and. Uh, Marvel, yeah. All right, that's some shit that we're not too excited about. But uh, <laughs> let's move on to things we are excited about, which is DC animation. Eli, yes. Uh, all right, so we, as we always do every year, we get uh, a crop of four DC animated movies. Had trend for the past years used to be three, now it's four. Um, and we got our announcement for the 2023 Slate. Now, of course, we also have on our network, I think I mentioned this before, uh, our DC animated movie show here on the network. Just like it sounds, uh, a podcast and YouTube series for the prestigious ongoing catalog of DC animated movies. So check that out. We're going to be talking about these, but uh, Eli, we got Ruby Justice League, one of our four movies. Yes. And again, I'll go through the list and then we'll go one by one. So we got Ruby Justice League. We got Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. We have Legion of Superheroes, and we have Justice League War World. Uh, War, that War World. War World. <laughs> War World. That's really hard to say. War and World is one word. Justice League War World. So let's start with uh, Ruby with a W. Yes. What do you what say you Eli Ruby Justice League? So I'm not too familiar with Ruby as a that's an anime I believe right? It is yes. And uh, from as I understand, I did a little Google search on them back when it was announced. It's like these women that are trained to be like these fighters, and in fact, in the description, they use the word huntresses. No, oh, okay. So. I'm not really sure what the premise of all this is supposed to be. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a crossover project or if it's going to be like a mis- a mix match, kind of like uh, I don't know if it's going to be a crossover like Batman Turtles or if it's just going to be like, hey, it's sort of like this amalgam world. Because if it's an amalgam world, I could totally see like Bruce training these uh, women to actually be like f- like four different versions of Huntress. That'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Um. But if it's like a crossover type thing, then I honestly have nothing I could really say because I'm not familiar with that anime. Mm. Um, you know, by the way, we're running a little low on battery, so we're probably going to have to speed things up a little bit. But yeah, yeah. just Ruby. I don't know much about Ruby. I'm not a big anime guy. I do know it's based on a comic. I have seen the comics especially that I have the DC animated movie show that my very first interview technically for above and Batman beyond. And I think at comic con in general, like of me just approaching someone at a con 
Speaking of cons, and uh, it's like New York Comic Con <laughs> either 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2017. Point is, long time ago, and it was my very first interview was uh, a girl who was cosplaying for Ruby, and I was like, "What is Ruby?" And she just points up, and everywhere around New York in that whole area was just giant, giant print ads of RWBY. I'm like, "What is that?" Um, so it's a huge anime thing, and she was a Ruby cosplayer. And I she, didn't know it was that big. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's massive. It's an absolutely massive thing. So we'll find out. Um, we're not very helpful because we're not anime people. So the next thing we got, uh, we got Batman: The Doom that came to Gotham. Now this is based on a comic, correct? Yes. Do you know anything about the comic? Uh, not all that much. Uh, I, from what I, from what I understand. Oh, it's a Mike Mignola and Richard Pace. Mike Mignola actually designed Mr. Freeze from the animated series. And, uh, what of course, what's it called was based Hellboy. Yeah. Hellboy. But I was going to say, what's it called? Uh, our meltdown episode is based on Mike Mignola's design. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, Freeze's, uh, suit. Yep. Yeah, I I, lo- I love his freeze design. So, what do you sorry? What do you know about the comic? Oh, I was just gonna say, um, isn't this a uh, Rachel Ghoul story? Let's see. Uh, is a three issue comic book series published uh, November two thousand to January two thousand one. Mike Mignola. It is an Elseworld story. Oh, it looks a little um, steampunky. Okay, you know what? I'm yeah, nineteen twenties of a completely different uh, thing I heard about. No, that's all right. I'm so the story now, yeah, it deals with an alternate Batman in the nineteen twenties fighting against mystical and supernatural forces that are taking Gotham by storm after he accidentally reawakens the being known as the Lurker on the Threshold. Okay. So, supernatural, steampunky, 1920s Batman. Dude, I'm in. I mean, I love Batman Gotham by Gaslight. I thought that should have become a series. So, if you don't do a series of that, just like one movie a year from different characters of Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. Um, you could go on forever with that. But it's, especially because I think the movie really expanded on that universe. Uh, the book is very short and is not nearly as good as the movie uh, i've never read it to be honest but it from what i heard it's just not even worth reading is this like the if, gaslight universe because it looks like he's wearing the same suit uh, apparently not but maybe it is because or the suit looks similar anyway i should say yeah it looks kind of cool it has yeah, like the button down say. chest piece mm-hmm yeah it's definitely steampunky definitely period uh it also looks a little like that guy, one of the guys is wearing one of those like diver suits from the 20s. Yes. So maybe there's some, what's it called? I mean, big in the steampunk, iconic to the whole steampunk thing is is like the Jules Verne, uh, 20,000 Leaves Under the Sea and the Kraken and all that crap. So yeah, there's some of this is space or seafaring stuff. I'm scrolling through some of the art here. Um, I always love those goggles. Those are cool. Those are cool. All right. All right. So then uh, our next movie, Legion of Superheroes. Now, this is a like a almost uh, alternate 
younger Justice League. Am I right about that? Yeah, in the way future. Oh, okay. That's right. All right. So it's like Beyond on Crack and Superman's in it. Yep. And in fact, there was a uh, Legion of Superhero TV show back when I was a kid. It was back in like 2005 or 2006 around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's kind of cool to see them return to animation. You know, That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. How was that show? Did you like it? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool from what I remember. Um, I, uh, I'm not huge on the Legion overall, but I do like, I do like some Legion stuff and, uh, you know, I really like Superman and or Superboy. Was, I... what's his name from the Legion of Superheroes? Was that Starboy in Justice League versus the Fatal Five? Starboy, yeah. That was the Legion of Superheroes? Uh... Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I guess I'm somewhat familiar. So, um, cool. And there's like Brainiac 5, and uh, who else is there? Is Kal El there? Why is Superman? What's that connection? Uh, he gets sent to the future. Sent to the future. I was going to say, because he can't live that long, right? Yeah. He gets sent <laughs> to the future. So it's in a lot of uh, takes on Superman, it's kind of how he gets his. Uh, early training and and be, and like experience as a hero because he spends his early Superman years or you know early Superboy years with the Legion and doing like Legion group stuff gives him some league experience by the time he becomes a full adult. Hmm. So it's kind of cool, and it's just cool to see like Superman interacting with other types of heroes. You know, you always see him interacting with the league, so. It's just cool to see him with other types and other times, you know. Yeah, no, I mean he's uh he can live in any environment. He can um he works perfectly for space, he works good on the ground, he's yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh and then we got Justice League the impossible to pronounce Justice League War World War World. Um and what's cool about this movie, I'm hoping this is going to be I'm actually counting on this being the incontinuity new, like uh, Tomorrowverse people are calling it, like the, the same animation style as Superman, Man of Tomorrow, and then of course, uh, what's it called? Um, um, Batman Long Halloween with the thick black outlines on, and stuff. And Justice Society. Yeah, Justice Society. So that'll probably be our incontinuity movie. Yeah. And I, I'm, I've been liking that that universe. I'm not over the hill about it or whatever you call it like i'm not head over heels with it but you know it's it's uh, fine it's fine yeah yeah and i i do like how different i agree i'm not blown away by it but it's it's Mm. fine i'm not i'm not upset by it i i'm definitely excited or at least content that we're past the decam the decam movies, so yep, the decam movies, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think know. it's a good fresh difference from those. I mean, those were so in their own style; they were pretty anime based, almost no outlines. And this is the very again thick outline, very different animation style. It um, everyone sound- hates the new fifty two, so let's adapt the new fifty two. <laughs> There's yeah, weirdly. Um, 
I don't know why they kept up with that. Also, Grant Morrison, controversial stuff. And they're like, let's combine the new 52 with Grant Morrison for our Batman character. It's like, okay. <laughs> I guess. Um, and also, while we're at it, let's never include Tim Drake, Robin, and only have Damien. It's like, if you want to tie some Grant Morrison in there, fine. If you want to have, good. I'm glad you brought in Dick Grayson, which they did. But then it's like, there's no Tim Drake? Yeah. In 15 movies? Yeah. That's annoying. Uh, but <laughs> back to this. It's, uh, you know, I, I think that it'll be cool to see those. And speaking of which, uh, we'll probably get our Green Lantern of this universe, which is uh, Jon Stewart. And the new Green Lantern of Where My Power comes out uh, actually right now because it's today, Eli, because it's past midnight, uh, July 26th or whatever the hell today is. Yeah. Also, it was just released, uh, the Teen Titans soundtrack. Yes, Tuesday, July 26th. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you were, I, I saw you post that. So Christopher yeah. Carter had posted it as well, and it's the soundtrack. What is it? The uh, soundtrack to the uh, Teen Titans 2003 TV show. Oh, excellent. Nice. And why is that just coming out as a soundtrack? Um... I guess they had some rights issues getting it released previously. Mm. I'm not certain. But um, that gets me excited just because the implications of that mean maybe we'll get some other show soundtracks from that era. Like, I would always be okay with, like, music from Batman Beyond Season 2 or 3. Oh, or, or, like, some, you know, animated, just DCAU stuff. Or not even... No, even if you just want to do some like badass tsunami tracks or Cartoon Network hits or something, I don't know. Just release more music. I like music, so that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, we should talk about Green Lantern. Beware my power. We should do uh, we should do that on the decamp show if you want to come. We should do that. That'd be cool. All right, guys. So that is it for the DC animated movies. Again, we have uh, this is for the slate for 2023. We got Ruby Justice League. Batman the Doom that came to Gotham, Legion of Superheroes, and Justice League War World. Um, we would probably have talked a little more about those if we had some more time, but uh, I think, you know, all we got was title cards and title treatments, so it's not we have a lot to go by. We had a healthy amount tonight, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not quite done yet, Eli. <laughs> we have one big thing to talk about. We do have to talk about DC live action. Not that it's we are being negative there literally is not a lot to talk about uh, I actually <laughs> completely forgot that's the funniest part yeah I was about to say that is a topic in and of itself that might take up more time is that there's <laughs> little to talk about that you just forgot you um, weren't blown away by uh, literally more of the same footage of Black Adam <laughs> no I also wasn't blown away by none of the Trinity being represented at New, at San Diego Comic Con, right? But we'll get to that. Uh, unfortunately, before we get to that positive stuff, <laughs> I do have some positive things to say about it. But uh, before we get to that, unfortunately, we do have to pour one out for the great David Warner. Uh, David Warner has passed. Unfortunately, uh, at the time of recording this, uh, the night I think of the twenty fourth, he would have died, July twenty fourth, and unfortunately. Um, yeah, this was the guy who was the voice of Ra's al Ghul for the DC animated universe. Yeah. 
you know, for our show, of course, out of the past. And then before that, uh, is it curse of the demon? Uh, what, what's the name of the, the demon's quest parts demon's one and quest. written by Denny O'Neill himself, who created the character with Neil Adams, who also unfortunately passed uh, only a couple months ago. So uh, yeah, and David Warner also I posted on my Instagram was like my other trigger for him when I hear David Warner's voice. So this is how important this other franchise is to me when I hear <laughs> David Warner's voice is that when I hear David Warner's voice as Raz al Ghul, even as a kid, it was like, oh, that's the doctor from TMNT2, Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. guy's voice, so distinct. Distinguished British actor. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You like anything on David Warner? Yeah, uh, sorry. Oh, may you rest in peace. Yeah, man. It's a... Uh, I mean, he. I think he was older, but and so many people are dying. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got and, and you saw today too. Paul Sorvino died. Yep, I saw that. Too. Oh my god! I mean, the dude was eighty-two, but it's like Paulie from Goodfellas. I know. Jesus. I know. No. So pour one out. What's that? I said we're losing the grades. Losing the greats, and then we lost Alan Grant like last week. Yeah, the great Batman writer who's uh, he wrote a lot of the stuff that Norm Breifogel and a lot of the iconic. I think Shadow of the Bat wasn't that his thing. Yeah, Tim Sale passed away not too long ago. Tim Sale, we lost. I mean, uh, man. So, um, yeah, man. R.I.P. David Warner. Sorry to yeah. uh, bring it down for a second, but we will bring it up with. Some- Things that we are not <laughs> very impressed with, but I guess I I will uh, I'll start off kind of positive here. I will start off with Black Adam. So we got a trailer for Black Adam, and then we got a trailer for Shazam. Um, I say it that way because that's all we got for DC live action at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Nothing for Wonder Woman, nothing for Superman, nothing for Batman, nothing announced. Uh, I don't know of any kind of even like live action uh, retrospective panels, screenings. You couldn't have put together 10 minutes on Adam West and sh- like anything, dude. Um, it's so weird to me, but I'm not war- running Warner Brothers. Uh, <laughs> and, you know. What they did give us, uh, again, back to what I said much earlier on, is that it feels like just fandoms coming. They're probably going to show their bigger stuff. And I did like most of what we'll start with, which is the Black Adam trailer. Um, And when I say most of, weirdly, I liked pretty much everything I saw except for the title character. (laughs) It's like Black Adam, he doesn't have the Vulcan ears and he doesn't have the widow's peak to me. It's just the rock in a black Adam suit. Completely agree. Which I don't understand at all. I don't think you have to do any other makeup on him. I don't even think you need to, I would concede even with just the ears, like don't give him the hair. I get it. He's the rock. Keep him bald. It's part of his brand. You could give him that, but like, I don't understand how hard it is to put Vulcan ears on the rock. Dude, you could literally go to, like the New York Ren Fair and buy those 
Mike's ears for like ten dollars. I was gonna say I think that like nineteen year old uh, Ruby girl that I interviewed five yeah. years ago at Comic Con, she had Vulcan ears if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, yep. come on, bro. And I, but to me again, to me, what I I keep going years, back and forth of like, but what I like, but what I don't like. But it's like I liked everything else I saw in that trailer and. Uh, I really liked Hawkman. I mean, that when he is fighting Hawkman, I was like, okay, like yeah. well, I, I am, I am in. That was probably the most pumped I've been for anything live action the whole con. Yeah, that's badass. Um, and and Doctor Fate looks cool. Yeah. So, what did you think? Uh, like like you said, I'm pretty much excited for everything else I saw in the movie except for him. Uh, I was about to say for me, the ears are as important to Black Adam's visual look as the curl is for Superman's hair. Yes, like, they don't give Superman the curl. I think it looks like something's missing. Without mm-hmm. these ears, it's like glaring to me. And the rock at this point, like Okay, yes, he he does the thing where it's like he's just the rock. That's fine, but he's not vanishing in the role. So like I I don't see Black Adam here, I just see the rock. Like not like not even just from a visual standpoint, from a character standpoint, like I don't really there's nothing in that trailer. I was like, "Oh my god, like this is he vanished into that role. Like I just see the rock playing around in suit." That's fine. I mean, it's what I figured it was going to be. It's just... Yeah, but it annoys me because it's like, I don't get annoyed that he wants to be in Jumanji. It's like, why would I bother being annoyed by that? You know, Hobbs and Shaw, whatever. Be the rock and whatever you want to be. Just don't come into my sandbox and act like yourself and act like this is some passion project that you've had for a decade and you're just playing yourself in a suit. Yeah. I agree. I, uh... Even if he is, does have this like evil arc. It's like, how evil is it? And you know, I the guy at the comic shop made a good point today. He's like, you know, they were making it look like he was this anti-hero before, which unfortunately every franchise seems to think they need to do is make the bad guy good. Yeah. From you know, Star Wars through Marvel through DC, um, instead of just having a bad guy. And what's it called? Uh, in this, it's like, wait, sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> the, the, oh, Black Adam. So it's like, if Black Adam's a bad guy, why not just do JSA v Black Adam? And he made a good point. He's like, yeah, but this trailer, like, if you just saw this and not that other one, that is what this communicates. Like, it, it does seem like it's just them fighting him. Yeah. So. I'll watch that. I just do not care about another redemptive arc about a character. Like, I don't want to see this fish out of water. Oh, I'm from ancient times. Now I (laughs) don't understand what a missile is, but I can still redirect it and throw it at something. Shut up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Dr. Fate does look cool. You know, I didn't, we didn't get much of Adam Smasher. I I do like, the thing uh, is what I like is that they kind of have their Doctor Strange now. Yeah. You know, they have like their mystical guy and that could totally open up 
the uh, JL Dark Universe. As I'm sure it will. And it's also like, again, speaking of shit we should be getting, how do you not have five of those movies in production right now? Yeah. It's like JL Dark alone. You don't have a Zatanna. Oh, actually, did you see that thing about Dua Lipa might be Zatanna? I heard there was a rumor. That's <laughs> so weird. I mean, we're not here to spread rumors on the show or get deep into them, but that is just like... But anyway, it's like, how do you not have a Zatanna movie, a Swamp Thing movie, all these characters, bro? How do you not... I'll never stop complaining, and I, but I guess I have the right because it's San Diego Comic-Con. Like, you still don't have a Superman movie in production. Even though, like, everyone's saying, no, we want it. And here's the caveat. I'll say, I'll say this, too. There was this big rumor that Cavill was going to show up and then everybody got pissed that he didn't. And it's like, no, WB never confirmed that. You can't get mad at something WB. And I don't follow the, like, I just, this is me hearing people complain about these hearsay via podcasts. Like, I'm not on, the con. like, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on anything, but no, and he didn't show up. So people were extra disappointed because there was this rumor that to be fair also was mentioned on deadline which tends to not be a rumor mill yeah um but i think they even by just saying it's a rumor kind of did the same thing that a lot of the sites are doing which is just you're not reporting news you're just spreading rumors and getting clickbait and uh because i guess it was between that and then everyone's expectations and i don't but here's my defense of everyone even though it's stupid to complain and i'm not into any of that kind of fandom is how the fuck do we not have a Superman movie in production? Agreed. All the time. All the time. <laughs> and that's not even my character. And I know I'm quoting Kevin Smith when I say that, by the way. Like, those are his words of how do we not have a Superman movie in production? <laughs> but it's like, it's the truth. It'll never stop being the truth. And anytime there's a Comic Con and it's not happening, I don't get it. Batman, we just got, I'm fine. You know, it's like, and we get I, a lot I, of Batman. We always get a lot of Batman in some form or another. I'm never going to bitch about Batman quantity. Um, but, you know, you also got Wonder Woman. It's like they have a game in development right now. You couldn't have shown us anything from that game. Yeah. You couldn't have had a Wonder Woman game activation. You had a Bob's Burger activation. Like all this. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure WB could have put some shit together for Wonder Woman anything of the trinity being represented and i unfortunately i just think that it's like they're putting all their eggs in one basket for something that yes dc fandom is absolutely incredible amazing i i hope it never stops but the problem with now that everything's kind of back from covid it's like i hope it's a hybrid physical digital thing and it's not going to take too much away from their physical presence at comic cons because if you know if you start going to comic cons and dc's barely there because they got some you know uh fandom glorified zoom thing like home con it's like i don't want to say glorified zoom that sounds mean because again i think they did such an incredible job how hard the project of fandom specifically last year i mean they got even better with it last year um the site never crashed like it was all really impressive but it's like now that shit's back i i'm just really hoping that 
cons are not this disappointing anymore. I have this feeling slash fear that uh, by the end of this decade, Comic-Con won't exist anymore just because I think now that, as you mentioned, these other, it seems like they're really trying to save their loaded gun for their cons. I think that's just going to become like a bigger problem as we progress. And I think that these cons like Comic Con will only survive for a while moving forward just through name power. But I think after a while, like people will just begin to focus on their individual cons. And I think Comic Con will begin to disperse. I think it's very possible. <sighs> well, uh, I mean, the upside of that, that it will downsize what has become an event that's gotten far too big. New York and San Diego Comic-Con are way too big now. I completely agree. You just had this issue. I I was spoiled. I only paid for one Comic-Con as a normal, let's call it citizen of con. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas after that, I had press pass. You just went through a nightmare with New York, right? Yeah. Yep. It's expensive. It's expensive, but it's also like the because it's so in demand. You said it was really hard to just get the ticket and the yep. online system, right? Yep, yep. Dude, yeah, yeah. So it's like, headache. yeah. Like, and if you, if you have headaches like that on both coasts, I mean, God knows. Then if if New York is like that, imagine a con bigger than that. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. like if that's the truth, then I think in a digital world uh, between the digital stuff. And then, yeah, just sorry. So the positive, I think, not just the digital kind of takeover, but are getting smaller. And I got to say, like my some of my favorite cons are those mid-sized ones, like Boston Fan Expo. I absolutely love that one. Um, yeah, Dragon and it's Con like stuff like that. Yeah, you know, these are cons that are. I'm looking forward to now that I'm in Florida too, like checking out Orlando and and some of the. I, I mean, I'm burnt out on Comic-Cons. I, could, I feel like I've been there, done that for the next five years. Uh, yeah. But when I do start returning, I, I, I'm very excited to see uh, or in this area because I'm, again, in Florida, not like New York, just something smaller than New York. I, I just can't do New York or San Diego. I, 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 I don't know if I'm interested to ever go to San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like sounds a Sounds a terrible thing to say. <laughs> Oh, you said it sounds like a lot? I said, yeah, well, that sounds like a real headache for, at this point, not a whole lot of return. Yep. Um, but I guess back to the what else we saw um, is Shazam. So we got a trailer. You know, I'll keep this short because I don't have much to say, which is I liked the first movie. It was fun. I like the fact that it did have horror elements to it. I, I will say those are my favorite parts. David F. Sandberg directed one of the Annabelle movies. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's kind of one of these, like, James Wan-ish directors who, who went from horror into superhero movies. James Wan with, with uh, Aquaman. I mean, I'd rather... I don't know. I, I don't want to say I'd rather watch Aquaman. Aquaman seems like more of a superhero movie than... Shazam, I'm not a big Shazam as a character in general fan as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's uh, here's my issue with what I saw from the new movie that I didn't really have from the first movie. My issue is that 
once again, what I had with the rock of like, just don't come into my sandbox, do your thing. I don't care if you want to make whatever. Uh, but then in like your own universe, like it's the boys or, or some other not DC thing. If I'm hearing Shazam, that sounds like a boy saying Shazam. When I hear Isaac Hayes going Shazam, I mean, this kid sounds like he's 19 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah. Not sound right at all. And he walks into frame and you could tell like he's been lifting. I mean, he looks like he's like 20 to 21 years old. Which was the problem everyone was afraid we'd run into, which is like, um, what happens when he's not a kid? Because he was already kind of maturish in the first one. Well, yeah, and I should have mentioned that too. Is I, I felt the same way even then, but I felt like I still let it go. Like, all right, yeah. fine. If you want to do your own, you slightly older spin, I'll let that go. Yeah. But <clears throat> but yeah, this is like what he's now fifteen years. <laughs> Levi, it's like <laughs> it needs to be more like a twenty thirty difference. Hold on, guys. Let me transform into my uh, more adult <laughs> Shazam. Okay, let's go. There's a oh Shazam. <laughs> um, it was so weird. Like I specific, I, I literally couldn't believe i'm like why does this kid look like he's in such good shape he looks like a man when it's like the five of them like walking up before he calls out shazam as deep yeah. as isaac hayes it's like he's got the kid's got like these little guns on him yeah like fuck that <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> and it sucks because like the rest of the trailer is i guess okay but um I, you know, it's just, a, it's a little too jokey for me. I, I, yeah. I had that problem with the first one. It was just, you know, again, if you want to have your own on it of like, all right, well, he's a jokier Shazam. We're going to try to marvel it up a little bit. Okay. I'll let some of that go. But this is just like, they're all in on it, um, on the jokes. And it seems like they're selling more jokes to me than, than superhero stuff. I mean, the flying did look really good. The effects, I will say, both movies, DC, not Marvel, <laughs> uh, San Diego Comic Con looked really <laughs> good. Um, so I will give DC that. Yeah, but like I don't know, man. This is I don't know. What do you think of Shazam? Um, honestly, I don't really. I mean, <laughs> I thought... there it is. <laughs> Eli Benson, ladies and the first movie was okay. I mean, it, yeah. it was, dude, I find these movies, like I said, incredibly formulaic. And Shazam, unfortunately, is no exception. It had heart, and it had a few memorable things that, like... But honestly, I haven't gone back and watched it since I saw it the first, like, two times it came out. And then I haven't really seen it since and don't really care to. I don't uh, either. I've never rewatched it, yeah. He's not my character, too. Um, I mean, it's an origin story, and we have plenty of those. Three, the villain's forgettable as hell. <laughs> uh, so I just, like, I don't know. And and then the big thing I wanted to see when when it came to, like, everything with Black Adam was I was hoping we'd get this awesome build-up towards, like, a huge crossover 
fight with like Superman, Black Adam, and Shazam and stuff, but it seems like it's either not going to happen or not going to happen anytime soon. And even if it does, like, I'm so underwhelmed by both of these projects in combination that I don't even care if it does happen anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the trailer itself, it's fine. I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of awkward with the Billy looking like an adult and stuff, you know, like a, a well strong teen and stuff. He just doesn't look like he doesn't look like a child or anything. And yeah, well, when again, the animated when the animated version has Tara Strong going Shazam, yeah, I mean it was a woman doing the voice that shows you how young he should be. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just uh, you know, look, look, guys, you know, you knew what this conversation was going to be coming in. So here we go. <laughs> No, it's all right. I just wanted to get again. This is why I said this is probably going to be the briefest part as us talking about Shazam because I, you know, it's not yeah. not my thing. Uh, I, I I think the movie, even for a character that I'm not a big fan of, it could have been a hell of a lot better. I think Sean Astin as Shazam in the Decam the DC animated movie universe, uh, you know, Bob from Stranger Things, and of course, you know, Sean Astin's been for a million things. Uh, he was Rudy. Yeah. He was in the Lord Rings movies. Yeah. Um, but like. He, I thought, did a great job with with Shazam in in those in those movies, and like that's what I want. I, I don't. I think that they have the characterization okay, and it's the Zachary Levi version is is similar to what Sean Astin was doing and what those movies were doing. But I just think something a little closer to that, like not to say that those movies are like the perfect example, but they're what I'm most familiar with, and it's just enough joking, but they get back to business. Like he's still, you know, a a kind of a serious character who has serious problems and, you know, he's got to struggle being a boy and being a wizard from space. It's not easy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know firsthand. Yeah. Um, Um, But that's it for me for Shazam, I guess. Yeah. That's all I really got on. Oh, damn you, Eli. I needed you to have another hour just on Shazam. Okay, God. Nah, that's it. Uh, Anything else on San Diego Comic-Con 2022? Eli Benson. Um, Well, it's so interesting that uh, I I just, I wonder how I would have reacted to the same lineup of releases two years ago. I don't know if this is just because I'm particularly burnt out because we just had a lot of big things come out or if this Mm -hmm. is genuinely a bad lineup i don't know but uh all i can say is this is the most underwhelmed i've been for a con in a long time and i'm hoping that next time we have this type of con coverage that it's a little more uh optimistic and you know let's just hope that this is kind of a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme yep no i agree it's it, like you said, there's just been way better cons, and I, I don't think it's necessarily negative to, to give your honest you know, opinion on it and say, let's just hold out hope. I mean, that's, that's the best thing you can do, and we started off the whole conversation kind of admitting that, <laughs> specifically with DC, that fandom is this big takeaway from this major event. And um, the other thing we conceded as well is that, you know, San Diego Comic-Con has gotten way too big, so maybe it's not 
the saddest thing in the world if if you know there's not i just think that for the amount of resources that you're going to put into stuff um like if you're wb and it's like so you're going to pay for the rock to be on stage and be you saw that yep and like be lifted on cables and look like he's actually flying with some big ass video thing god knows what just that what does it cost just to get him to go anywhere I mean, so it's like you do that math and spread that out and give us some more DC, bro. It's like, yeah, I mean, again, we didn't even get stills of Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. We didn't get anything with any one of the the Trinity rehash what I was just saying. But for all the stuff, the big ass slate that you have coming for even if the flash is a question mark, there's a bunch of other stuff you got coming out. I am very surprised that they seem to just be holding it all for, you know, fandom. Um, and that I, I, you know, it's like, it's comic con. You are DC comics. I am happy with the comic stuff we got literal comics. And then I'm glad at least we started off in the very beginning. Uh, talking about like, which is what our show is here for Batman beyond baby. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, once, once again, we got, what's up? said couldn't agree more yeah cool man so yeah once again guys we got uh speaking of which we got our batman beyond the white knight reviews we're gonna do episode by episode on those it's eight issues and then we also got the uh red hood uh white knight presents red hood which is coming in between those so we're gonna definitely cover all that stuff um we got neo year coverage coming and yeah man Again, the D- oh yeah, and the DC animated movies. We got that whole slate next year, and we got yep. Greenland. Where my power? We should definitely cover that. We should definitely cover that. And uh, like you said, we have White Knight and Neo Year to talk about coming up. I'm excited. I got lots to say about both those stories. I have notes have been taken. So guys, we got lots of good stuff coming up. So here's the final thing I should say. Good point is like you got lots to say about. I have so much to say about that. And quite honestly, it's like. I was talking about this with a guy of all people, once again, at a comic shop of like <laughs> perfect way to end the episode for an event called San Diego comic con. He started off as comic book conventions. Um, maybe people just need to start getting back to reading. And if the best part of cons is starting to be comics, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, that was its <laughs> roots. People, the, in in its inception, this was where you'd go to meet your favorite comic writers and artists and collect rare issues that you couldn't find like traditionally in your comic store. And you know, naturally, we've gotten so far away from that. But it would be nice to return to comics and have that be more of the focus, have it be a true comic con. And man, that would drive uh, a lot of people out because, again. These are pop culture cons now, not a comic con. Which is kind of sad, and but it works out for me at least the past couple of years because I've been getting way more into comics. Uh, I've been getting, again, less and less impressed with a lot of the superhero live action stuff, at least, coming out. I've been pretty impressed with animation steadily for quite a while, but uh, yeah, live action just hasn't been what it can be, in my opinion. Uh, but it's weird, like starting off being a fan of movies. And then as my interest started to wane on that, COVID, all this shit kicks in. And I start getting really into comics and they've been good. So I'm kind of, I feel okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's a nice, enjoyable form of storytelling, in my opinion. And for Batman Beyond fans, we are just so lucky to be getting White Knight and Neo Year right now. Yeah, we're eating good right now. <laughs> All right, Eli. Um, this is Benjamin David. And I've been Eli. Telling you to go above. And Batman Beyond. And Happy Con. Happy Con. Sort of. Sort of. Happy Meh Con. <laughs> All right, let's Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, telling you to go above and Batman beyond.